0: persistent and nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalized voices in theater film and beyond from actors to activists we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope that you are looking after yourself, being kind to yourself and each other. Today I chat with artist Axa Arif. We discuss Axa's current project, which is Anam Kilmari on at Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum from now, November 2023 until the end of April, start of May 2024. We discuss the project, we discuss um, intergenerational conversations and how vital they are. We also discuss the fact that people of colour shouldn't have to do the work. Uh, That's a much bigger conversation that AXA and I were hoping to have at a later date. Um, We talk about AXA's previous work. And we also have a conversation about just finding yourself and figuring out where you want to go and what you want to do. And actually, we have a little conversation about um, leaving school and how the push, yeah, I'm going to go with push, to get you uh, to make a decision on what you want to do is really heavy on you at that age and not always helpful. Um, so, lots in today's episode. All details for An Am Mary* are in the show notes of today's episode, along with details of how you can watch um, Axe's other film, which is just one Best Dance Film at Aesthetica Film Festival Spicy Pink Tea are also in the show notes of today's episode If you support the work that we do you can help us by becoming a persistent pal or a nasty hero links to that are in the show notes of today's episode as well and again a huge thank you to every single one of you who financially supports us and also supports us in other ways by shouting about us on social media, sharing the podcast, liking uh, downloading the podcast and reviewing the podcast please if you can give us a little review on Apple Podcasts we would be extremely grateful go for five stars, go for five stars you know you want to you can follow us on social media Twitter at PersistentNasty Instagram at nasty, Facebook PersistentAndNasty TikTok TikTok Persistent and Nasty, check out the website www.persistentandnasty.co.uk where you can read incredible blogs written by incredible writers for us. And if you would like to submit a blog to us on anything that has maybe got your blood flowing a little bit faster or something that you feel really passionate about or maybe a story that you just really want to share please get in touch and all the links for that are in the website and again also in the show notes of today's episode once again to all of you who support us you have no idea how much it means to louise and i it helps keep us going and we really understand that it's not easy for everyone just now money is tight times are tough so thank you a million thank yous our next coffee morning is tomorrow, 24th of November, at the Tron Theatre at 11am. There will be details about our Christmas coffee celebration. That is all to be confirmed, so please make sure you are following us for all details on that. You can follow Louise and I on social media Louise is at Ms. Louise Oliver on both Twitter and Instagram, and I am at Elaine on Twitter and at Elaine.stirrett on Instagram. Ooh, for today's episode, it's getting a little bit chilly, so maybe something spicy, I don't know, like, maybe like a mulled wine? Are we too early for mulled wine? I mean, I don't think so. Or, um, ginger beer that always gets, heats you up from the inside, I always think. Um, or hot chocolate, maybe like a, a, minty flavoured hot chocolate or a dark cherry hot chocolate. Now, there is my kind of hot chocolate. Or, you know, you can always just have a good old cup of tea, sit back, relax and enjoy. Hi, AXA. Hello. Hi, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty podcast. Thank you for having me. I am so paranoid already because I'm just going to bore everyone with my Invisalign uh, and (laughs) I got Invisalign uh, on Friday, so I'm feeling very... (laughs) So... (laughs) I'll be like listening back to this being like, oh,
1: God. oh there's lots of slubbing going on. You can't on.
0: notice. Great, I'm so happy. <laughs> Um, I'm really excited to chat to you, AXA. but for our listeners, um, let's have a little potted history of you, um, your career, what's led you to this point, and obviously your current project that is on at Kelvin Grove.
1: Yeah, of course. So I'm from a fine art background. Um, I went to art school in Glasgow School of Art. I did painting and printmaking, and so I think it's, it was 2019 when I graduated, so my practice is very moving image, experimental, like within the course, you can sort of do anything you want. So I very much like took use of that and did lots of different mediums. And again, it just became like very interdisciplinary. And then when I graduated, I was really like just looking for any and all opportunities. So like I was applying to like, I think I was doing like five applications a month sort of thing, just to see like what would stick. And one of the applications I was doing um, was... From GMAC Little Pictures. And that yep. was like for first directors, if they have a creative idea, it's and it was also part of this like development program. So I got really excited about this because my practice previously had a lot of cinematic references. Okay. Really inspired by like cinema architecture. Right. And the space. So for me, it was like, oh, I get to go a little bit into the film industry and learn about this. Yeah. Um, and also coming from an art background, it's very much isolated working. You have collaborations, but it's very sort of self-led. They don't imbue that into like the course or anything. I was a bit intimidated by the whole collaborative thing. So I didn't do it that much in art school. So this was like an opportunity to work with a film team, cast, crew. Um, and that's where my project Spice Pink Tea um, was commissioned at GMAC. And since then, I've been doing like other sort of collaborative films with like a film crew, but with art commissions Mm -hmm. and sort of trying to combine like both art and film and seeing where I can meld the two together but so I have a very like strong art practice and then I feel like I'm a newcomer in like the film industry yeah yeah um, so has art always been a thing for you? Yeah, I think so. For me, when I was in high school, so I'm from like a South Asian background, my parents were very much, okay, you need to go down like doctor, lawyer, that sort of route. Uh-huh. And having grown up in that environment, I was very much rebelling and was not interested. Um, But I thought, I'm very good at academics, but also very good at art. Maybe I can combine the two and do like architecture. Okay, Yeah. <laughs> was like a safe route in yeah and then after like a year of that uh, thinking about that I realized that doesn't sound like it's for me mm-hmm. um in high school I was like okay I'm not going to pursue that path and I didn't even know about fine arts until my high school teacher was saying oh you you've got really great drawing skills have you thought about fine art and
0: right okay that was
1: like the sort of like seed that I yeah. needed someone else sort of believing in me to be like oh, so I'm kind of good at this. Maybe yeah. Pursue this, um, this career instead. Mm-hmm. So from that, um, I applied to art school and everyone was saying, like, it's really hard to get into Glasgow. Yeah. You're not going to get in. Like, it's okay if you don't get in first time, just like reapply. Mm-hmm. But I got in first time. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it was all that momentum of having, like, coming from the South Asian background of like, what? Well, if I'm going to do this creative thing, I better do it right. Yeah. Yeah. And having like all that push, I worked really hard trying to make my portfolio. So I think all of that sort of paid off. Um, But then I decided to take a year out anyway, Mm -hmm. just because I feel like you're so young when you leave high school and they try and push you into sort of university straight away. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to do that. So I took a year out and just sort of did a bit of work and creative things just on my own, just Mm -hmm. to find my own sort of pace. Yeah. And then... I, I, I'm so thankful I did that because when I got to art school I just felt a little bit more mature a little bit more focused I came in with like wanting to learn and like yeah really made the most of like the four years
0: um I think you know yourself a bit more right as yeah. well because you, as you say you leave secondary high school and you're you're still so young And you've made this decision of like, and this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Exactly. It's so
1: so intense. Exactly. And I think they sort of pushed that in Mm -hmm. high school. They pushed that sort of like trajectory. Well, you need to, if you don't get into university. Yeah, if you don't do it now. That's your, your life is gone. (laughs) (laughs) You're like 17 going, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So for me, I just wanted to take, try and take my own time with it. Um, And then I, and I think that's why a lot of, People, a lot of friends I had didn't make as much of art school as they could have mm-hmm. or they didn't feel like they made the right choice. And I think a yeah. lot of that was fueled by coming in like 17. Yeah. And coming straight in from high school. And obviously, who knows what they want to do that age. Yeah. And even now, like sort of morphing into the film industry, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so glad that I'm
0: just a creative person. Yeah, that you took that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's so true because also you are try to figure out the differences between um secondary and high school to university mm-hmm. where you know you're kind of in lots of ways at secondary your hands kind of held yeah as they lead you through and then at uni it's like well let's sink or swim baby let's go exactly there's <laughs>
1: so. like no sense of like I think a lot of people are shocked they're like well they're not teaching me anything mm-hmm. And I realized quite quickly, well, if that's the case, I better teach myself ASAP.
0: <laughs> <laughs> come on it, it's all good. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think I just come from this background, of, like I need to hustle, I need to do like everything I can. I think this is like immigrant mentality that I still like hold on to yeah. from my parents' expectations. Because um, obviously it's such a risky, we all know how risky mm. like the creative world is. There's lack of stability. Yeah. And I feel like if you... Are really passionate then it's okay like that will get you through it yeah but if you sort of lack some of passion or you're confused I feel like it's quite hard to then like find momentum and a lot of the industry is about momentum which is a shame but it's also sort of trying to like find your own space within that totally I think
0: that is something that probably crosses all forms in mm-hmm. the arts mm-hmm. doesn't it it's um, that thing of finding your your balance and your footing while also not burning out but trying to keep the momentum going while you're doing all the other stuff to keep you afloat, exactly, um, exactly. Your body, your brain. <laughs> kind of—I don't know where I am. <laughs> yeah, it's a really tricky balance to have, and I think, I think it would be fair to say that all kind of parts of the arts, whichever it is, whether it's acting or filmmaking or design or art itself, is um, if you're not doing it. And you're not building the momentum. There's kind of almost a a judgment gets made that you don't want it enough. Yeah. When actually you're just trying to. Sorry, that's my squeaky chair. Um. (laughs) That you're just trying to find your own way of working. Mm Hmm. And your own pace. I think. Yes, pace. That's the word I was looking for. (laughs) Thanks.
1: We got, we got there together. <laughs> we got there together. In the end. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I think I've been struggling with that recently of like, I always feel like I'm on the go and like, mm. I've got like five projects on at a time. And I'm always like, because I'm trying to like sustain myself like financially mm-hmm. within the arts as well. Mm-hmm. And this has been the first year where I've not had to have like another job. And so that feels exciting, but so scary. Uh-huh. So I'm very much, well, okay, I've like some projects coming to an end, so I better have other projects. Yeah. ASAP or otherwise I'm going to sink. Um, which is, it's just hard to balance those two mm-hmm. if you don't have someone else as like a safety net. Um, and especially because my parents, there's very much the lower sort of middle class background mm-hmm. and like, uh, they're not there. They don't have that sort of income to support yeah. me. So it's very much the synchro slim, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, And I think I had that. I think a lot of us in the arts like, know, like, you've had, like, four jobs at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> We've all sort of been there. We're all doing that hustle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, But now I'm trying to find a pace that suits the art. Because a lot of the times if I'm doing so many things, I, I struggle to give each project its due. And sometimes I feel like it suffers a little bit mm-hmm. or... I just sort of had this guilt about Mm. but again like I don't know if I'll ever find that balance I'm just trying to like figure it out at the moment so if you've got any answers (laughs) I
0: mean um, no (laughs) no I think there is a balance though I think it's about taking ownership Mm. and acceptance that to keep yourself going in this industry, you do have to have times where you have to go, I cannot do that. Right Mm. now I am at burnout. Yeah. And if I say yes to this, as well as trying to finish another project and pay my bills, Mm -hmm. I won't have anything for the next six months after that. Yeah. And I think your longevity of your creativity is more important than the immediate. Yeah. Um, I think that comes with age, though, as well. I think there's part of me that's, you know, I'm, I'm older and I'm kind of I'm not burning myself. Not I, I'm not going to do that um, because otherwise I will not have what I need to have for the next thing. That's interesting.
1: I think that's I think that is quite nice to hear, actually, because... I feel like I'm getting to that point, later 20s now, and I'm sort of thinking about, well, actually, I do want to sustain this yeah. for the long term, mm-hmm. and I can't be burning out after every project and then having like a new project straight away and thinking
0: I can do everything. Yeah. I feel like you can do that for a little bit. You definitely can do it for a little <laughs> bit, and I think your early 20s, mid-20s is the right time to do it. <laughs> yeah. I think after that, you need to start laying some boundaries and, yeah. some, and some guidelines for yourself, but it's also, I guess finding people that you want to work with that mm. will, like, be accepting of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. And also sort of organizations as well. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of the work I do, it's, like, funded by someone or funded mm-hmm. by an organization. And it's trying to be a bit more assertive around, like, boundaries at the beginning, which I still, still struggle with trying to have those boundaries and figure out what it is I need. I think even just putting those into words is sometimes, like, it needs quite a bit of thought and I'm not slowed down enough to, like, give it thought.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think as well those of us that are are female, I think that we are still generally, although there are people who are really amazing at it, but I think we are still generally, oh great, I'm getting this opportunity, I need to just go with it because you know it's usually given to a white straight man, yeah, um, so we're like oh I'll, I'll I'll do that and I'll do it and keep keep going, and the idea of us saying no, this is my parameters this is what I'm working with this is how I work feels that we are almost dictating but a straight white guy would never have that thought I
1: know I know this is a thing I, that I think about when I anytime I've like start like assert myself around something that I feel like's not right or I'm trying to like put down boundaries um or just like sort of speak up for myself the amount of guilt I have is crazy and I I actually have to like talk about it with like friends first yeah. and like make sure that like I like triple check what I've written to make sure it's like okay and that I'm not overstepping like professionalism or whereas I know people that I've been to art school with that like straight and white and like they would just like come into those conversations like and put their foot down and I was called always kind of impressed because I was like Mm -hmm. how do they do that like how do they not have this sense of like guilt and shame about asking for stuff (laughs) yeah um so I think it is like a learning and over time and having worked with sort of artists that are a few years ahead of me Mm -hmm. um I was the artist assistant for Alberta Whittle for the last not last year and a half um and she's very much like sort of an established artist and like I felt like I learned a lot from her and like other artists around her about how to like put boundaries in place and I think that comes with time and so I've I've been trying to like take in like bits of knowledge from other artists and creative people around me but again I feel like for them it's taken like years and years
0: and it's like a thing of experience absolutely and it's a constant practice of it as well it's not mm-hmm. like you'll do it one time and be like cool that's it I'm done it's doing it each time and becoming clearer for yourself what works for you yeah as well definitely um I love that little segue that we had but yeah so you applied for the GMAC <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, um shorts and that was for spicy pink tea yep so that
1: was for spicy pink tea and I'd written, so this was one of those applications I did. The deadline was midnight. I was doing a residency at Hospital Field House, which is where the film was shot. Mm-hmm. And it was very much this very like grand British estate home, but they use it, it's always sort of been used um, for the arts and arts residencies. But it has all these like paintings of old ancestral mm-hmm. people from the house. It, it has this very like domineering um sort of quality to the house and as I was walking around and like I had had like two weeks on on a residency I'd felt this like sense of like discomfort mm. like oh I don't this feels like such a weird like I'm out of body experience like being mm. in this space and so when it came to writing a story um for the application it just sort of came from what I was feeling at the time about feeling uncomfortable within the space and then thinking narratively how i would show that and Mm -hmm. how um imagine like imagining these ancestors sort of judging this south asian girl that's like in the space and how she wants to like become like the paintings and Mm -hmm. become like the women in the paintings um i just thought it was an interesting concept of how it could be like one character and then the rest of the characters are basically the house um and it's just it's basically like an internal fight and i think it's sort of semi-autobiographical in the way that when I was younger, I always felt like I wanted to fit into like this new culture that I became a part of uh-huh. and wanted to shed all my previous like, you know, I think a lot of like just in general as a teen phase of, yeah, you don't want to be associated with your parents and all this sort of um, angst around that. So it was that, but then I think it was just intensified being in like this completely white country. Yeah. And then wanting to be like people around me, but not obviously never going to be able to like fill, fill those shoes um, and then getting older and sort of becoming more in touch with different parts of my heritage and sort of becoming more accepting of it and that was such a long process I feel like you know five six years of like figuring all of this out having conversations with friends and my family and then learning to accept things um, and it felt like when I was writing the story it was around that end ending of that sort of journey mm-hmm. and so it was really nice to just It all into words and through this fictional space. Mm -hmm. So I don't I'm always a bit almost too vulnerable if it's like a documentary or if it's like too much about me. Yeah. So I always have to distance myself. And I like that through art and through the characters, you can create stories that are deeply personal. Yeah. But they showcase as a fictional experimental dance film. Yeah. So that was the great thing about this. this application um and then i got i got the interview and uh and i had this mood board it was like very bollywood inspired Uh but also very interested in like surrealism and like surrealist movies and like david lynch and sort of like horror movies and trying Mm -hmm. to like combine these two worlds together so spicy pink tea really is like this amalgamation of different genres for me um and again i Coming from a visual art background, my visuals are quite strong, but the writing, like, I I really struggle with, like, thinking about dialogue. So the film became, like, quite a visual story, and there's only, like, one bit of dialogue in the whole film. Okay. Um, And through that, I think it actually became more interesting, because having, like, now come through the other side and, like, I'm writing a feature-length sort of script at the moment and a short story script that's got more dialogue in it. Okay. I'm really, like, having to go back to that because, actually, you don't want to have unnecessary dialogue. You don't want to, like, over-stimulate to the point where the story is lost. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like film is this medium that is very much like no other. It's very... It's montage. Mm -hmm. And you can tell so much through that. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to be, like, really precise... Um, and the film that I've now done as part of the installation, and I'm Kiel Murray. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful segue. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, and I'm Kiel Marry, means the trophy cupboard, and uh, I'll give a bit of background. That was. A collaboration and commission by University of Arts London and they would pair artists with specific archives within the UK and the archive I was paired with was Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum and I've worked with them before so it felt like this natural sort of progression. Yeah um,
0: that's lovely when that happens.
1: Yeah it really is um, and I think that was the reason they selected me for it because I'd already had this relationship with them um, and having worked with the archives I was really interested in like delving into like what other South Asian archives they had. Yeah. Um, And within that, so it's like a triple video installation. And I really wanted to create the sense of the objects within the archive actually have human faces behind them. They've got human stories. I think a lot of the times when you go into like museum spaces, it's sort of like all the stories, all the context is just absent. It's these objects. They have like two words about them and like the date. And I yeah. feel like, people walk by that sort of stuff all the time and the display they had um with the south asian display in Kelvin grove was sort of like tucked away in this dark corner upstairs it was very much name and like you you, you couldn't even figure out where it was like collected and Mm. when so I sort of delved into that during my residency and figured out that a lot of the objects were from the 1888 Glasgow International Exhibition. Okay. So they would have these international exhibitions to showcase city pride. And so London had one and that was like the big one. And then Glasgow and Edinburgh were trying to fight for like <laughs> the best Yeah, they've had this like rivalry for years. Um,
0: Shocker. (laughs) I know.
1: (laughs) Um, I love both. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And they were trying to basically showcase all the Empire's greatness and calling themselves the second city of Empire. That's what they would sort of like use in terms of like marketing Mm -hmm. strategy for the exhibition and a lot of those objects were made by Indian craftsmen and women and would be brought here specifically for a white gaze and so specifically for the exhibition so it wasn't like they collected these objects um and it was because they were in use it was like they were
0: made specifically
1: Specifically. and I thought that was really interesting because as, like, someone that's South Asian, you come in you, like, you you look for your history. Uh-huh. And then you think that this is going to represent um, that. But actually, <clears throat> it was never meant for you. It was meant for a, a white audience in the 19th century. And I was trying to unpack how it's almost there. Like, how that makes you feel, though, as well. Exactly. It's sort of like... Fe- you. You almost just have this, like, sense of, like, numbness because you're, like, your heritage has sort of been completely glazed over. Yeah. As this ornamental thing. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like a lot of, like, South Asian objects and history is, like, seen as through this ornamental lens. Like, it looks beautiful. Look at how well, like, it's crafted. um. But then it's been completely appropriated for, like, a white audience. Yeah. And so none of those histories and oral histories that would have normally been passed down... Or they're just not there um, so for me it was like really important to like involve community members and mm-hmm. like the research because I feel like I wanted to learn about these objects I wanted to learn about what they represented for people and so I worked with um, the Glendale Women's Cafe yeah and um, they're a group of older South Asian women to be honest I was quite young I think it was from 30 to like 90 Um, and they came in and I selected specific objects that they could like look at and we talked about oral stories around Mm -hmm. them and they came in with these amazing stories and they had names for all of these objects because a lot of the names for the objects were things like um, pot and like the real name is like Lota and that's just they don't have any of this information in the archive so there yeah. was so much like research that was being unpacked over like one or two hours uh, of like a community workshop and I just felt like sh- I know that they have like one curator and it's a lot of work for one person to like do all of that but at the same time like that itself is an issue they need to have people come yeah, absolutely.
0: in absolutely <laughs> like you're saying all this and I'm kind of going so you're
1: doing the work for them,
0: not really the point, people. Yeah,
1: and I think that that was the point of these residencies, was trying to bring in an artist of colour into, like, an institution and mm-hmm. for them to, like, research what they wanted to and find out stories. But I almost felt obliged to be like, well, I want to look at the South Asian, like, um, archive and I want to see, like, what stories. And then only through that journey did I realise, actually, they're, like, completely glazed over. Yeah, the stories are missing they're completely missing yeah and the way they're displayed like you go into like a european section of the museum and it'll be like so much history there'll mm-hmm. be like people's faces attached to paintings and there's like context provided mm-hmm. whereas for other objects that are like more sort of like world cultures there's just nothing there's like you have to sort of search for it or you have to kind of know context yourself yeah but I think a lot of the audience will come into a museum and expect that the museum is like giving you factual information. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's what you, that is what that institution sort of represents. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually it's a shame to then go in and realize like, Oh no, a lot of this stuff just hasn't been updated. and mm-hmm. It's actually not correct. Or it's just like completely like missing the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of this work was actually trying to like bring in people from the community and I worked with like lots of different community groups and they like gave me so much like it was so cathartic working with them because I felt like they were all my aunties and I was like talking to like family yeah and they were just so generous with their information and knowledge there was no no sense of like oh this is like our from our generation we don't want to share this with you or
0: and the beauty of the intergenerational thing as well right yeah um as the people passed down stories but also maybe people who are in their 30s that might be like oh my granny would have said that that was this and then they get to have a conversation with someone else saying oh well we would have you know just all those those moments those real human moments yeah. me moving in my squeaky chair again <laughs> um hand <laughs> again <laughs> um so you did all of that and then the commission is now out there it's there it's there how do you feel about it like what will an audience see when they go to Kelvin Grove
1: so what they'll see is if they walk on upstairs and on the balcony space there is a very colourful installation there's like textiles ceramics there's the three videos of the film and this architectural sort of, like, facade that I've mm-hmm. built um, with textiles behind it. So it's very multimedia. It's a very colorful space. This is what The feedback I keep getting by a lot of people, they're shocked to see all this, like, color and, like... Um, shiny things and light and like textures yeah. so it's very tactile space um, and I just really wanted to represent all of the textures because I feel like normally in a museum it's very like glass cube around like one object that's like you know that's it mm-hmm. and there's like a sense of like it's so precious that you can't like be in touch with it uh-huh. and so I really wanted to get rid of these like glass barriers and wanting to be able people to be able to like actually physically like without this glaze Mm -hmm. see the objects Um. so I made these ceramics that were like inspired by some of the stories from the workshops and like the textiles and the architectural facade sort of like mimics sort of like Miguel era architecture and like creates this like completely new space for all of this work to sit Um. I just wanted to highlight all of the different colors and I feel like the film itself it's very saturated I wanted to like my, my style in general is very color heavy and mm-hmm. I think a lot of that comes from like having this South Asian heritage of like being surrounded by color all the time yeah for me like black and white is like so scary I don't I just I'm like where's like you know where's like the texture and that and um so I really want to represent all all of the colors um and all of the textures in these objects that are sometimes just seen like through this like glass cube um almost like feel gray something about it when you look at these objects they just Mm -hmm. feel like dead Mm -hmm. um so I wanted to bring a space to life um and we had the opening on the 2nd of November um and it was so special we had like the one of the community groups was the Glasgow Sathari and they're a singing group of older South Asian women and it's run by my amazing um friend and performer Ankna we met out with these ladies weekly and they were like practicing for this beautiful performance on the opening night and honestly I was like close to tears they were mm-hmm. so beautiful they put in so much time and effort there was like delays with the exhibition opening but they just like kept going and this was all just because they they were just like so thankful to yeah. have the opportunity and I was like no this is your space and I was really trying hard to like make them feel like this is their space but I think I think for, like, people of, like, minority backgrounds, it can feel, like, almost, like, intruding. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to make them feel like this is for them, and, like, and I, everyone had so much, like, great feedback about it. And yeah, I think they were just so impressed to see, like, oh, my God, there's, like, a South Asian artist in, in the gallery. And they were just so happy for me like they couldn't believe they were like oh my god so you do art and they, they almost still didn't believe it even mm-hmm. though i've been working with them for months yeah i felt like they almost were still like a little bit in shock to see that oh i am actually like doing things and like the the work is actually in the space mm-hmm. um and so it felt like very like um just like a very cathartic opening night and i think everyone was just like smiles all around and lots of nice feedback um it was nice for people to like Come together and sort of see each other and like see everyone else doing things um, and being validated almost by the museum and Mm -hmm. having this like grand opening for them. Just I think was this big like validating experience, Um, which it shouldn't be, but it's it was nice. I think especially because they're of an older generation and have been here for decades. Yeah, to I think have that experience. I think was quite um, important and. I'm just excited for more um, South Asian people to go in and sort of see. And already we've I've had feedback where people have walked by and sort of like messaged me online and been like, oh my God, I can't believe. And I don't know them, but because they're like South Asian, it's like, yeah. it's like <laughs> oh, we're all like in it together. <laughs> so that's been really like heartwarming for me. Um, and I'm excited like over the, so it's on for six months and maybe for longer depending on like the collections and um because they collect the work at the end as well so Great. we're having those conversations um but I really want to like program in workshops and events for yeah. like I want to like bring in like my old um high school um art class and see um, what their reaction will be yeah um and just like bring in like different groups and see like really great
0: as well it. for primary school to come in as well yeah. like um from all over glasgow yeah um for that experience because you know as you say that hasn't been shown as it should have been mm-hmm. um and what that'll what that'll affect what that effect will have on everyone and if you're a child what that effect has on you
1: yeah and I think it is important to sort of start at that young age actually yeah because a lot of the times like by the time you're in high school you kind of have to make all your choices like at like 13 14 Mm -hmm. which is actually like ridiculous to think about now but yeah that's when you start start making your choices so if you don't even know what the options are I think it's then it can be quite tricky to then you know become like move into the creative world because you're so set into like a specific direction that you that people teachers put you in when you were like at 14 um so yeah bringing primary school kids as well I think it'll be like a completely different experience um and for them to know that actually this is like a career yes because just in general I think people don't think like art is a career for them um I think it's important to highlight and like showcase like people can do things and it's definitely hard it's definitely unstable but if this is what if this is who you are yeah then you know that there's space for that
0: um at, at, at that young age i think that's really nice it must have been really beautiful as well for you to see that older generation of south um asians getting to see their their history yeah represented as it should be
1: yeah i think so i think that was the thing it was like the initial like um collect south asian collection of objects is like right across on like the other end of the balcony from Mm -hmm. where the work is and i feel like nobody even noticed that it was there yeah like on the night and in general i think people just walk by that space like so regularly and i think just for them to see like this vibrant space come to life and it's not like hidden away it's like it's very much taking up space yeah it was like i think a big like everyone was just smiling and it wasn't just that I think a lot of times it can be like oh we've commissioned one tiny piece of work and I really wanted it to be like this big grand thing so that actually it's like that thing of like taking up space is like asserting yourself and like having those clear set boundaries I think all of that ties together um and I think for them to see all of that they were just like very chuffed and like it's like you
0: said, it should have been done before because it's really important. Um, Scotland and Glasgow's connection in particular, particular, um, that should have been showcased much sooner than it has been. Wonderful that it's happening for you. Like, that's great. But it should have been done um, beforehand. And I kind of just want to jump back to when we were chatting about... Um, you know, you've been with uh, all the different women and having the conversations. And mm-hmm. I wondered if there was a, for you, what was the things that you kind of found learning about yourself? And was there anything new for you that kind of sprung up either culturally or how you feel in this moment? I think, that was about five questions, yeah, sorry. no,
1: no, it's <laughs> a really good question actually because I think there was so much of that happening during the workshops. Like mm. when... We had like, um, so we had three different workshops, three different groups. And we had the Glasgow Sathari ladies um, and the Glendale Women's Cafe. And then we had um, our shared cultural heritage, which is a group I've been a part of. It's like younger South Asian people. And it was interesting to know like intergenerationally everyone's different stories. And like a lot of the stories, like you would mention one thing, like this pot, this terracotta pot, what does it mean to you? And there was like, tens and tens of stories around this tiny little pot and for me I was like oh my god actually we have such this such a depth and breadth within our culture and I just didn't know I, I personally didn't know enough about it and I feel mm-hmm. like for me within my family my parents are like very like hesitant to like share things they just want to like I feel like they just want to move on yeah and so anytime I ask them questions they're like oh that's not interesting let's just focus on like they're almost like confused why I'm, I'm asking them yeah so it was nice because I think these ladies were so generous and like they were I was asking them and I felt like they didn't have this like sort of like familial bond with me so they were just able to like share yeah and I think because they were all surrounded together they were like this group of friends Mm -hmm. so they were just sharing like childhood stories and just being able to witness that was so special and made me feel like so much more connected to like this homeland that I've like that I don't know as well anymore yeah and made me feel like because I think a lot of the time when you've like moved somewhere at a young age there's a sense of like you don't belong anywhere yeah so I felt I, I felt this like huge sense of like belonging come to me and i felt like they like really took me in um and there and like also this thing of like just um i would share stories with them and they were able to expand on it like create this like other world it's like world building and i was like wow like i had no idea that this connected with this thing because my knowledge is so very much like a like diaspora communities it's like so sort of like sporadic and random and like tangential and you don't know how things link up necessarily Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and they they a lot of these women have moved like in the 60s and 70s and so they've got this connection of having lived in like South Asia for 20 years but then 60 years in the UK and so they've got like knowledge of what it was like in the 60s and 70s in -hmm. the UK and that also makes you feel like well actually we've been here a long time yeah and also as part of like the international exhibition they would bring like craftsmen and women to the exhibition and mm. um, almost like this human zoo sort of situation where they would like look at people and doing their craft and um and like a lot of those people would sometimes not have a way to get back home and yeah. so they would stay and so there was a sense of like actually like through colonialism and the, it's not like we actually do belong here from like yeah, exactly centuries yes and it's not something that was like necessarily like um, because I think there's a sense of guilt sometimes of like, oh, we've come here and taken space, um, but to then when you look into it and realize actually that's not even factually correct, yeah, it makes you feel like so much more like at home, and so I just felt more at home uh, having like spoken to these women and just like now having that connection with like I know all these like my South Asian network has grown, mm-hmm. it definitely makes me feel like um just like I've got a more vibrant community around me, um, so I think just like. That's all you need sometimes to, like, feel that sense of belonging. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like that pro- this project has done so much. And, like, Spicy Pink Tea, I feel like, was a trigger of, like, figuring out my own sort of sense of self. Mm-hmm. And then this project was, like, thinking more, like, feeling belonging from the community in general. Yeah. And connecting with, like, you know, the intergenerational um, and also, like, ancestral knowledge. Amazing. Um.
0: So... Am is on at Kelvin Grove until May of 2024. Yes, so end of April, start of May. Yeah. End of May, April, start of May, and people can go and see it. I'm, I'll have all the links to everything in the show notes. Um, and we should talk that space Pink to has just won yes. an award. So it won Best Dance
1: Film at Aesthetica. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, just a, I was in Aesthetica for five days, like doing the whole festival circuit, and. Um, Honestly, i convinced myself out of the fact that it was going to win because I, I was just at the awards term and was like, oh, we should have left a day early. I'm so tired. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then when you're in the when you're just I think a lot of people do this when they're like maybe going to get an award, you've seen all the other amazing films, like the quality aesthetica was phenomenal. So just to even have been like obviously in the festival yeah. is already such a huge accomplishment. So to then, you know it being picked for best dance film i was honestly like i i think i was shaking like the whole time and i don't I don't remember what i said in the speech either um but it was it was so nice um just to, like let everyone know and like celebrate with the team yeah just um online because we've not been able to like get together obviously yeah. but everyone yeah. moves to different projects so i think everyone just feels really excited that, that something we did like almost like two years ago when we started um yeah has come such a long way um and it feels like a good entry because it's my first short film so it yeah. feels like having all that buzz around it definitely like motivates you to keep going and yeah. to know that you're not like that bad
0: <laughs> <laughs> no definitely not um and sorry if you can hear some movement everyone we're actually in a uh, blazing griffin uh, at the moment um who produced Yes. Um, I'm Kilmari.
1: So, yeah, so my producer Misha, along with Blazing Griffin, produced and I'm Kilmari, and
0: uh, they've been lovely enough to give us this room. I know, so. we have this gorgeous, uh, we're in the boardroom. I know, I know, and it's really lovely, and it's, uh, <laughs> but there's a wee bit of noise outside. Oh, and um, people can watch Spicy Pink Tea. Until the 30th of November. Yes. So it
1: was on the Aesthetica online platform until the 30th of November. I think you need like a pass, but you can watch it online there if you want to like, if you really want to watch it.
0: And yes, people will really want to watch it. Um uh so I will again link all of that in a the show notes of today's episode. And you've just got a new residency? Yes,
1: yeah, so I've got um, like I said, I'm always on the go.
0: So. Love it. <laughs> I recently
1: got awarded the RSA Morton Award, and um very exciting. So, so over the next year I'm going to be looking at sort of like south asian wedding traditions and i'm going to be working on a film sort of that's a bit more sort of documentary-esque slash just like a bit more moving image creative artist film um and then really looking into that sort of like intergenerational how weddings have changed yeah and trying to work with the community in that as well so i've just really enjoyed um working with, like, a community engagement aspect Mm because I think I just learned so much through that. Yeah. So I'm going to be doing that over the next year. um, Amazing. Yeah, and I've also got another another project that's, like, a national touring exhibition with Gerwood Arts, and that will be touring in London, Sheffield, Cardiff, and Edinburgh starting May or, yeah, around about May next year. Great. So those two things are, like, my next my next steps um but yeah I've got a few other things but I'm not going to mention all of them just to me. <laughs> that's all right as you
0: said you're a girl on the go <laughs> so you know that is what happens um AXA, I would love to ask you uh one more question before we finish up so we ask all our guests um so we're called Persistent and Nasty obviously um taken from kind of moments in time when we set up all to me too moment just as I start talking some male voices appear out of nowhere <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so yeah they're both they both happen to be American actually um, one is the Elizabeth Warren nevertheless she persisted and then the other is um, in regards to former president of the United States Colin Hillary Clinton a nasty woman and then the hashtag nasty woman um, storm that happened on Twitter and it was more about a reclamation of those words that are used in particular against those of us that are women and femme presenting, um, you know, witch, bitch, bossy, money you know, that would never be used to our um, male counterparts. Um, So it's definitely a reclamation of uh, that word. So, um, AXA, what does the phrase persistent and nasty mean to you? What does it make you think, feel, good, bad, indifferent?
1: I think that as soon as I heard that, um, podcast name, um, I was like, what a great name. <laughs> First of all, like, well done. <laughs>
0: Look, I have to give Louise credit for it. It's completely Louise.
1: And I think for me, I was, I was actually thinking about that today. I was like, this, the name Persistent and Nasty, I wonder what it, what it refers to. So it's so interesting to hear yeah. where it's come from. And I think whenever I think of like the art world and creativity and like, Women within that space it is the sense of like persistence and like yeah. keeping going and no matter and i think what we talked about earlier about boundaries and like setting those and being like clear in that and how long it takes us to get there i feel like it's like a culmination of all those things of like we're gonna persist we're, we're gonna maintain our sense of self within that and then also we're gonna assert space And I feel like all of those things like is things I'm still learning about on the go. And I I know a lot of women around me in the creative space are also thinking about this. Um, And funnily enough, I've been thinking like you mentioned like witch and like all these words that were used against women. Like I've been thinking a lot about like folklore in Mm. South Asia. There's this thing called the charale, which is similar to a witch slash demon. Mm. And, normally it's like men have wronged her and so she comes back as this revenant spirit and she like kills all of the men in the family or if she's died in childbirth or like these different ways. And a lot and but now it's used as this like um, bad word against women. Okay. But initially it was the story told from a woman's perspective to other women to keep them safe in a way. And so I feel like oh, that, interesting, I think this right? is what this the space feels like. It's like we're creating this safe space.
0: For each other And we're going to go get it <laughs> Yes I love it Love it Love it um, Thank you so much For coming and chatting with me today. Thank you for it's having me It's been an absolute joy To chat to you For everybody else Get yourself along Along to Kelvin Grove For I'm Kilmary um, Which is on until May of tw- Well end of April Start of May 2024 All details are in the show notes Of today's episode Remember to watch um, Spicy Pink Tea As well Which is also uh, the In the show notes Of today's episode episode and that is on until the 30th of november until next time lovely listeners stay, stay nasty. nasty yes you were right in it i love it